All right, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Proverbs, chapter number 28. Proverbs 28, we move on to the next chapter. And uh, this evening, we're going to look at the effects of righteousness, the effects of righteousness. In this chapter, all these verses, every one of them, uh, are, are individual. Sometimes, on occasion, there are verses that are linked together, that would go together. Uh, but uh, in this chapter, each one is a separate proverb in and of itself. And uh, there's a good 11 verses, at least, that deal with righteousness. And so I kind of broke that down into two different groups. Uh, one is personal righteousness. And really, the effects or the blessings on a person uh, for being righteous. And the others would be the benefits or effects on other people for being righteous. And, uh, and so that's kind of how we, I narrowed it down. But Proverbs chapter number 28 and uh, we're going to start in verse number one, and uh, we'll look at this idea of the effects of righteousness and what kind of blessings, really, uh, some of them are blessings, but some of them are blessings that we get from living a righteous life. Uh, and a lot of people think in today's world that it's okay to cut corners, and uh, the problem is uh, when you start cutting corners, where do you stop cutting corners? So that's the problem. And a lot of people, they, they start and they're like, well, it's okay to do this. And they blur the line a little bit and slide the line. And the next thing you know, they say, well, it's, if it was okay to do that, then it must be okay to do this. And, and then if, you, if they do that for a while, they're comfortable. And like, well, if it's okay to do that, then it's okay to do this. And, and before you know it, uh, there's no corners left to cut. They've cut everything and they didn't even realize how far they've moved. And so it's important to remember righteousness uh, on a personal level. And, uh, and we're going to look at some of the effects of living righteously. And uh, the choices you make in life are bigger sometimes than you realize. Even smaller decisions, uh, they don't seem important, but they really are. And uh, Proverbs chapter 28, and verse number 1, the Bible says, The wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are bold as a lion. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your goodness to us. God, I pray that you'd use me. I pray, Father, that you'd speak through me as only you can. God, I pray that you would touch each and every heart, Father, as only you can. And God, I pray that you would help us to understand righteousness. God, I pray that you'd help us to choose righteousness in our life, Father, and, and live right according to your word. God, I pray that you would, again, uh, bless each and every person and those who are, are tuned in online, Father, and we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. As we look at some of these verses tonight, most of them are going to be pretty simple to, to understand. They're not difficult to understand, and a lot of them are, are contrast. It's interesting, uh, when, you, when you look at many of the Proverbs, they contrast one hand, one extreme, and the other hand, another extreme. Our verse tonight here, verse 1, it says, The wicked flee when no man pursueth. So it starts out talking about a wicked man. The next phrase is, but the righteous are bold as lions. So he gives two comparative statements on these. And as we look at this, uh, I want us to see the fleeing fearful uh, in this verse. Now, this is obviously not a benefit of righteousness, uh, but ra rather a, uh, a, a maybe an effect of a lack of righteousness in our life. It says, the wicked flee when no man pursueth. By the way, that's why I gave up jogging, okay? 
I'm kidding. The wicked flee when no man pursueth. You're out there jogging, so I'm just kidding. I should still jog, but I don't. I haven't been jogging in a long time, um, and it shows, so I need to start jogging again. But uh, uh, I've heard that verse quoted many times for, amongst joggers. They're like, that's why I don't run. But uh, uh, So the idea here is that they're dominated by fear. We have the fleeing of the fearful, the idea that they're dominated by fear. What's the idea of wicked? Well, wicked is evil in principle or practice deviating from the divine law. Addicted to vice, sinful, immoral. And so those are people who, uh, they don't like God's law. They don't adhere to God's law. Uh, you could call them fools if you'd like because uh, the Bible says the, uh, uh, the fool has said in his heart that there is no God. So they're people who uh, do not want the word of God. They don't want righteousness in their life. That's the idea of a wicked. And uh, why would they be so fearful? That's the question because we find here that the wicked flee when no man pursueth. What's he fleeing from? Uh, well, he's fearful and he's got lots of reason to. We talked about Sunday night, Romans 5.1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, we talked about it Sunday night. We talked about it Sunday morning in the adult Sunday school class. And uh, the idea that, hey, when you're at peace with God, man, it is a blessing in your life. And, and for us that are saved, for us that are born again, it is. I mean, what a blessing to know that we can stand with God, we can stand before God, not in our righteousness, but in the righteousness of Jesus Christ that He has given to us. But listen, we need to understand the opposite of, uh, the opposite of that is true as well. The world does not have peace with God. Matter of fact, they stand at enmity with God. In other words, they are enemies of God. Matter of fact, they have God's judgment to look forward to. Uh, I had referenced this, but turn with me. Save your spot there in Proverbs 28. But turn with me to the uh, Revelation chapter 20, the back of the book. Revelation 20. And I referenced this, I don't know when, on Sunday sometime. Revelation chapter number 20 and verse number 11. And it's talking about the great white throne. And look at what it says in this verse. Revelation 20 and verse number 11. He says, And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it who, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. In other words, when they saw him, they were fearful of him. And I read somebody... Uh, had mentioned a long time ago, they said, well, that's how you know it's talking to lost people. Because listen, saved people, we, we won't be fearful of God. Matter of fact, we, and, and I've said this before, uh, we, we have that song, face to face I shall behold Him. Uh, and we look forward to that day that we can see our Savior face to face. But lost people, they don't have that. And so they flee away from the face of God. Uh, that kind of goes hand in hand with our verse. The wicked fleeth when no man pursueth. God's not pursuing them in this, in this verse, Roman, or Revelation 20.11. But nonetheless, they are fleeing. Why is it? Because they know the righteousness of God. They know they're not right. Deep down inside, they know that they're wrong. And so they are going to flee from God. They're going to flee from righteousness. Not only that, but I want you to understand and realize they're dominated by fear of righteousness, but they're also dominated by fear of a guilty conscience. 
I mean, those people that run, uh, listen, they're running because they're afraid somebody's after them. Uh, if you stole money from someone, you might be always thinking, oh, they probably found out. And if they said something like, hey, can I borrow some money? You'd be sweating. You'd be like, oh, man, I think they know that I stole money from them. Uh, or, or maybe they would say, hey, have you seen my wallet lately? I don't know where it went. And, and you'd be thinking, oh, man, I think they know that I stole money. You'd be sweating bullets. You would know because you would say, man, uh, I think they're on to me. And, and your guilty conscience would condemn you. And you would always be fearful. And that's what it's talking about. An escape, if you were an escaped convict out of prison, uh, you would suspect every police officer of knowing that you're, a, you're an escaped convict. You'd be like, man, I'm avoiding those police because they know I got out of jail. They know they're looking for me. You might even be suspicious of people in plain clothes thinking, oh, that might be a plain clothes officer. He might know that I escaped from jail. I mean, they don't, they don't trust anyone. And so they're fearful and they're constantly fleeing because they can't trust anyone uh, because their conscience is smitten. They know that they are not right. And so the Bible says here in Proverbs 28, the wicked, and again, that would be deviating from the word of God and those who accept wickedness, flee when no man pursueth. And they flee because they're smitten with guilt. They flee because they know that uh, the righteousness of God is far better than that. They have a reason to run. You remember Cain when he smote Abel. And God came to Cain and, and of course he talked with him. And uh, afterwards, uh, God condemned Cain and, uh, and marked him as, as, a, as a murderer. And, uh, and he said here in Genesis chapter 4 and verse number 14, Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from the face shall I be hid, and I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth. And it shall come to pass that every one that findeth me shall slay me. You know what he was thinking? Everyone's going to know I'm a murderer. Everyone's going to know, hey, I left my family. I'm the only guy wandering around the world. Everyone else has a family, and I'm the only one kind of wandering around on my own. And, and the truth of the matter is, the wicked flee when no man pursueth because they, they've got a guilty conscience. They've got a history. They've got a past. They know that there's something there they don't want anybody else to find out about. And so they're constantly on the move, and they're running from their own history. They don't want nobody to find out about that. And so, um, so the Bible is very clear that the wicked flee when no man pursueth. We can certainly see the domination of the fear. But I want you to see as well uh, that the, they are destined to the pit. Look with me in verse, chapter 28 and verse number 17. This verse goes right along with verse number 1. And then look at what it says, Proverbs 28, 17. A man that doeth violence to the blood of any person shall flee to the pit. Let no man stay him. Now this verse does not contrast. It does not give us a contrast of a righteous man and a wicked man. But it just gives us the idea that a, a man that doeth violence to the blood of any person shall flee to the pit. Now what does that mean? Well, do with violence to the blood, you could imagine uh, that they would violently have killed somebody is probably what you would take that as. 
I mean, violent, that's pretty clear. It's somebody that's uh, very aggressive and has done something bad uh, to the blood. In other words, that they have uh, actually shed blood uh, from somebody. And so the idea here uh, is that they have probably killed somebody in a violent manner. And the Bible goes on and says uh, that, that uh, they shall flee to the pit. Now, what's the pit? Uh, well, the Bible uses that word a few times, and in one of the ways, it, it does mean grave. Uh, and I think, it's, I think it's left vague here on purpose because, listen, it could go either way. I, I think, number one, uh, it does signify grave. In Isaiah 14, 19, you can just mark this down. Uh, this verse shows very clearly that pit could be used as grave. But thou art cast out of thy grave like an abominable branch, and as the remnant of those that are slain, thrust through with a sword that go down to the stones of the pit as a carcass trodden under feet. And so, uh, very well, it could be talking about to the grave. And so as we look at this verse, 17, a man that doeth violence to the blood of any person shall flee to the pit. Uh, people who live violent lives generally die violent deaths. That's just a statistic. That's true. Uh, you take some of the people who live in, in very rough areas and they grow up in very rough neighborhoods and they grow up robbing and with gangs and things of that nature. They usually don't live very long and they usually end up dying at young ages of a gunshot wound or being, being cut or being in a fight or being beaten to death or, or something like that. Uh, that's just kind of nature. Uh, and we get the saying, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. And so that idea is really brought out. So why is this fellow fleeing in Proverbs 28.1? He's fleeing because, hey, he knows the violence of other people. And, uh, and listen, he, he doesn't want that in his life. And, and so that causes him to be on move uh, because he's destined to the pit. That very well could be the grave. What else is a pit? A pit is a, a trap. I, I thought about this. Uh, a covered deep hole for entrapping. In other words, you would dig a hole out, or maybe you'd find a hole that's already dug out and save yourself the work, and then you'd cover that thing over and, uh, and put, some, put some food there so that you can lure an animal, and when that animal comes, he would walk on that, and he would fall down in that pit, and you would have captured that animal. Isn't it ironic that uh, the Bible would use this phrase, uh, a man that doeth violence to the blood of any person shall flee to the pit. And the pit there could easily be uh, a trap uh, that, that is, is meant to catch somebody else. And how many times have we seen it played out in the book of Proverbs, hey, listen, that somebody lays a snare for somebody else and they get caught in their own snare. Uh, they, they try to entrap other people and they eventually uh, get caught in their own plan. And, uh, and the good example I think of that is Haman. Uh, and I remember months ago, I don't remember when, but uh, we covered that. We talked about that, uh, that, that he, had, uh, he absolutely hated Mordecai. And, uh, and so he built a big old gallows so that Mordecai could be hanged thereon. And he was planning on going to the king and, and requesting that Mordecai be hanged thereon. And, uh, and, and when he went to the king, uh, the king had just got through reading an account uh, of how Mordecai had saved his life. And so uh, Haman, or, or the king asks Haman, what should I do to a fellow that I want to honor? 
And what does, what does the king, or what does Haman say? Haman, being prideful, being arrogant, says, man, he should throw him a parade and he should put on his best robe. And, and Haman's thinking, that's for me. And, and instead of for him, uh, he, sends, he sends Haman to do all of that to Mordecai. And shortly thereafter, it's discovered his plan. And guess what? The king says, hang Haman on the gallows that he built for Mordecai. And we find that he died on the very gallows that he had built to hang Mordecai. And what I'm saying is, uh, listen, sometimes you get caught in your own trap. Uh, listen, wickedness and evil does not pay. And, and you've got to be careful of it because, listen, they're destined to the pit. Isn't it interesting that it says uh, that they flee to the pit? They're in a hurry to get there. We find that fleeing of the fearful, we see that they're dominated by fear. We see that they're destined to the pit. Maybe it'd be death. Maybe it'd be ensnared in their own trap. Uh, but back, back in Proverbs 28.1, I love the second half of that verse. But the righteous are bold as a lion. Listen, as a Christian, hey, as a Christian tonight, we don't have to be timid and fearful. Praise the Lord. We can be bold as a lion. We can be bold. Why? Because it's not us. Uh, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 37, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. Praise the Lord. As saved people, you know why you can be bold? Because you're holding on to the hand of the Creator of the universe. And there's nobody greater than your Heavenly Father. Listen, you can be bold tonight. You can be bold in your witness. You can be bold in your life. You can be bold because you know uh, who it is that goes with you. I know, I know I've uh, mentioned this before. Uh, I used to go street preaching when I was in Bible college, and uh, I, I was not a, a big uh, person. I've never been that big of a person. Matter of fact, I, I, my dad never let me play high, football in high school because uh, he was afraid I'd get crushed, and I probably would have. I, I don't know how much I weighed in high school, but it wasn't much. And, uh, and then make matters worse, I took off after high school and went to Peru and spent the summer down there and got really sick and came back even thinner than when I went to, uh, to Peru. And I went to Bible college. And, uh, and we go out street preaching down in the streets of downtown Canton. And I, I didn't know nothing about downtown Canton. But, uh, but I tell you what, you know why I went? Because the guy that went with me was from Detroit. And he was twice my height, and he was three times my size. I just stood by him, man. I was bold as anything. I, as long, hey, as long as William was with me, man, I'd go street preaching, sure. William's not going tonight? I don't think I'm going to go. Because he he's bigger. Hey, listen, as a Christian, we have somebody far bigger than any person on this earth. We have the Father of the universe, the Creator. And we can be bold. We see that the wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are bold as a lion. We don't have a reason to be fearful tonight. Look with me at verse number 18. We see the fleeing fearful in verses 1 and 17. I want you to see the faithful few in verse number 18. Look with me, the, the contrast. He says, Whoso walketh uprightly shall be saved. But he that is perverse in his ways 
shall fall at once. I want to clarify this. I do want to say this right up front. That uh, that first part of the phrase there, whoso walketh uprightly shall be saved, uh, is, not a, uh, is a, not a spiritual salvation. Why do I say that? Uh, because we don't believe in a works-based salvation. For by grace are ye saved, uh, not of works. Uh, for, for by grace are ye saved through faith, not that of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So our salvation does not come from works. So therefore, this cannot be a spiritual salvation. So what is this verse talking about? Whoso walketh uprightly shall be saved. I believe that this is a, a certainly a, a proverb and certainly a physical application to this. A physically being saved. What is upright? Let's look at that. Upright means honesty. And so... Integrity is a rare quality, it seems like these days. It's hard to come by people of integrity. Uh, And integrity means somebody that's going to do what they say they're going to do, and they're going to do the best that they can uh, to uphold their uh, their word and do what they uh, have said that they're going to do. And so we find here in this verse, verse 18, whoso walketh uprightly, that would be honestly, that would be somebody with integrity, that would be somebody who's going to strive to do the very best that they can do. Uh, The Bible says, shall be saved. And being truthful will preserve your conscience, your comfort, your character, and your concerns. Hey, just living truthful, listen, that's as much true for a lost person as it is for a saved person. Uh, If a lost person would be an integral, moral person, and and listen, there used to be many, many people of integrity. Uh, We've gotten far away from it. Why? Because we've cut corners, and we've cut corners, we've cut corners until we're all the way over here, and we say, how do we get over here? We used to be way over there. Because integrity used to be a fabric of this society, along with hard work and a lot of other uh, good qualities that seem to be lost or seem to be lacking or missing today in much of the world. And so we find that this is a very physical application that's very true, that the Bible says that, uh, that whoso walketh uprightly shall be saved. And how many times somebody that's honest somebody that has integrity, somebody that has character in their life, it it works out best for them. And in the long run, they are saved. They're saved many trials. They're saved many troubles. They're saved many things in their life. I look at the life of David, and, uh, and he's a great example of this. You look at David when he was being, uh, when he was actually brought into the, uh, the king's household and after he had killed uh, Goliath and, and Saul was bringing him in to, to minister and to sing to him and, and Saul became extremely jealous of David and, and the Bible says that, uh, that David behaved himself wisely. You know what he did? He was a person of integrity. He was not a person that was trying to, uh, to, to uh, take advantage of King Saul. He, he was just doing the best that he could in whatever area that he was. And, and you know the story of David that, uh, listen, it put him in a dangerous place sometimes. But you know what? God saved him. Why? Because of his integrity. Because he walked humbly before God. Because he had a lot of character. 
Uh, what about the three Hebrew children uh, in the book of Daniel that they wouldn't, they wouldn't bow to that, uh, to that idol that was made? Uh, it was integrity. It was character in them that said, hey, we're not going to do these things. These go against what God has taught us, and we are not going to do these. Listen, it put them in a very deadly position, but yet they were saved. What I'm saying is, listen, if we practice honesty, if we live a life of integrity, that there's many times, those are more spiritual examples, uh, but the, where God had his hand on it. But I'm telling you this, that, hey, if a person lives right and does right, they by and large don't have much to worry about. They don't have to worry about all the trouble that the world gets into. And they will be saved many difficulties and saved many uh, trials and many circumstances in their life. And so the faithful few that will stand and will do what's right and will have integrity and will live honestly and will walk uprightly. Listen, that idea of walking uprightly is a life of righteousness. It's saying, hey, I'm going to live right. And that's going to be my motto. And my life is going to be that of what is right and that which is honest and that which is uh, something that is uh, with integrity. And so we see that they're saved, saved many things, many trials. I want you to notice the second part of the verse. We see those that are saved, but I want you to see those that stumble. Look at what it says in the second part. But he that is perverse in his ways shall fall at once. The word perverse means distorted from right. Corruption. And so many times, you know, they're corrupt. And they, they're so corrupt that they actually think they're doing good. But they're not. I mean, you talk to them. I'm telling you, they think they're helping things. And they are, they are so far in left field, they, they really don't understand uh, where they are at. And they're, they're, uh, the Bible is very clear. It, it says here that he that is perverse or crooked or distorted from the right uh, shall fall. Listen, sometimes it seems like they prosper. Sometimes, uh, boy, it's aggravating. You know, you see somebody and, and you know that, uh, that they're crooked. You know that they're perverse. You know that they're distorted from right. And you think to yourself, how on earth does that guy continue to go through life what seems like normal and sometimes even better off than, than good Christian people that we know. You say, what's, what is that about? It seems like they're prosperous, prospering. May we be reminded that, listen, this world is temporal and everything in this world is temporal and everything that they can gain in this world is temporal. And, and even though it seems like they are prospering here on this, this world, look at the latter part of this verse, verse number 18. He that is perverse in his ways shall fall at once. That word shall fall means it's going to happen. It's going to take place. And, and listen, may we be mindful that God keeps good, good records. God knows what's going on. We used to tell our kids all the time, uh, be sure your sin will find you out. And it will. And God's keeping track. God knows what's going on and they shall fall. And I want you to notice this, not only shall they fall, but the suddenness of their fall at once. It doesn't mean that as soon as they do something wrong, they're going to fall right then. That's not what it's saying. 
but rather that their fall is going to be a sudden fall. We'll go back to, to the, the illustration of Haman. You know, Haman, when he built those, those gallows, uh, he was a planning, of course, on Mordecai being uh, hanged on those gallows. And Mordecai, or the, the night that, uh, uh, that Haman went in, and man, he was having a, a banquet with the, the king and the queen, and he thought everything was great. And then all of a sudden it turned. And Esther said, Haman's the guy that's trying to kill my people. And at once, that very night, I mean, he didn't have time to go home and prepare. It happened suddenly. It happened without expectation. He thought everything was going well. He thought, man, I am moving up in the kingdom. And I'm about to become the, I'm about to be the most powerful man in the entire kingdom. And, and the king trusts me. And now the queen trusts me. And, and man, everything's going hunky-dory and wonderful. And then the bottom fell out. And he got trapped in his own web. And he got trapped in his own trap. And the suddenness that, that fell upon him without warning, and, and Haman was unaware of his sudden fall. And listen, many times the wicked, they are caught by surprise. They don't see it coming. Uh, they think everything's fine. They think it's going well. Uh, but the Bible is very sure. And listen, uh, that we can see here, if we live a right life, hey, we can be spared all the difficulties of this world. If you're not scheming and you're not planning to, uh, to hurt other people and you're just trying to live a moral, upright life, hey, listen, you're, you're not going to have those kind of problems. Why? Because the Bible is very clear. It says right there, He that uh, whoso walketh uprightly shall be saved. You walk the straight and narrow, you don't have to worry about half of the, the garbage that goes on in this world. So we find that the faithful few. We find the fleeing fearful in verses 1 and 17 and the faithful few in verse 18. And then look with me at verse number 6. Go back to verse number 6. And we see here the favored form. Look with me here. We won't take long on this verse. It's pretty simple to understand. Better is the poor that walketh in his uprightness than he that is perverse in his ways Though he be rich. It's a pretty clear verse, and it's a great verse to memorize and remember. The Bible says, Better is the poor that walketh in his uprightness, in his integrity. Listen, you're better off being poor, not having much in this world. You say, well, all the world, the corporate world and, and in the job and in the places and here and there, they say, well, you gotta, you got to cut corners to get ahead and you got to do this and you got to step on this person to get ahead and you got to do all these tricks and, and work this and work that to get ahead. Listen, if you gotta, if you got to play dirty and if you got to be perverse about things and if you got to uh, cut corners and you got to do things incorrectly, then listen, the Bible says you're better off poor than to cut all those corners, to lie, cheat, and steal, and get to the top and be rich. Why? Because, well, because of all the verses we've looked at. Hey, listen, your fall is going to come, and it's going to come at once. And if you're going to cheat, cut corners, and lie, and steal to get it to the top, then listen, everyone else is going to cheat, lie, and steal from you. 
Because what goes around comes around. And this proverb is very clear. All of these uh, really deal with the idea of that, 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 listen, if you live right, we ought to live right. Uh, we can see the clean conscience of somebody. Listen, I'd rather have a clean conscience and live a poor life and just continue uh, working my way through life and say, you know what? Hey, I'm good with God. I'm good with the world. I'm good with my, my neighbors. And I don't have a pride. I don't have to worry about things. Then somebody who alternatively, looks like they have all the riches, looks like they have everything, but they got to be careful. They can't go to this area. They can't talk to that person. they got to be careful of these guys. they always got to watch their back. They're constantly running when no one's pursuing them. Why? Because they know. They've lied, cheated, and stealed to get where they're at. They, they, they haven't done things honestly, and their corrupt course is perverse in their way, and they may be rich, but listen, someday they're going to fall. And it's all going to come tumbling down, and it's all going to be over. I wrote this down, poverty over perversity, righteousness over riches. You can have both, but if you have to choose, choose right every time. You can't have both. It's not impossible. There were, there were wealthy people who lived right in the world. In the Bible, there's plenty of examples. There's people today who are right people who have wealth. There's nothing wrong with having wealth. I'm not saying that. And this proverb is not saying that. But what it is saying is, if you do have to choose, you better choose right every single time over riches. Because perversity with riches is all going to come tumbling down. It's all going to be a waste in the end. So we ought to live right because God will bless it in the end, we have the fleeing fearful, the faithful few, and then the favored form. That would be choosing to do right every single time in our life. That would be what God would favor. That's what the proverb would favor. That's what uh, would be expected of our life. And God will bless that. I can say that unequivocally from the word of God. That, hey, he will bless it. That's not to say that you're going to be wealthy. But, hey, you'll have a clean conscience. And you can walk before God every single day and know Hey, I'm at peace with God, and I'd rather be at peace with God than to be the envy of the world. And everyone looking at me saying, well, I wish I had his wealth. I'm, hey, I'll take God over the world any single day. All right, with every head bowed and every eye closed, as we stand to our feet. Father, we thank you for your word how clear it is. God, thank you that as Christians, we can be bold. We do not have to live a fearful life. God, if we walk with you humbly, honestly, God, with integrity, doing right, living right, making wise choices of doing right in our life, God, we know that you'll bless that. It can be seen over. It's a pattern throughout Scripture time and time again. And it's simple, yes. But it seems so hard to do and practice in our life. And God, we ask you to help us to choose right. Help us to choose right over riches. Help us to choose goodness over the wickedness that's in this world. And God, help us to live uprightly honestly, and to walk honestly in this world and with integrity. 
God, I pray that you'd bless each and every person. May they choose right in their life. Help them and strengthen them. We'll thank you for it. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As the piano begins to play, if God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open.